You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Now, this program I'm calling Freedom from Principalities. And, you know... (laughs) This may turn out to be one of the most important programs I've ever done. We will see. This entire program is designed to be a tool. As a matter of fact, I'll just start off this program by saying, as of the area of this program, I will be adding to the ministry website, www.bridemovement.com, a resource. And it's going to be called Freedom from Principalities. It is going to be the prayer that I am going to be talking about in this entire program. It, it's just, But instead of all of the extra information I'll be giving you, it's just going to be the prayer itself boiled down into something that you can download and use. <laughs> and the reason I'm doing this program is because, well, the Lord put it on my heart. I haven't really talked too much about how to get a person free from a principality on this program simply because we're so busy talking about so many other things. But folks, the real reality of the situation is I, in the ministry God has assigned to me, have to deal with high-ranking powers in the heavens every day. Um, I am confronting powers in heaven every single day, it seems. At least Monday through Friday, I take Saturdays off. And, uh, it's not uncommon for me to be back at it on Sunday with some kind of emergency or some kind of person reaching out that I don't have time for during the week or whatever have you, you know, and sometimes I'll, you know, be dealing with stuff on on, on a Sunday afternoon. But 
the reality is I am spending so much time on the front lines of the battle. I have learned a few things, maybe just one or two. Uh, Realistically, uh, we have dealt with so many things. I really felt impressed upon my heart this week. The Lord's like, you you, got to tell him what you're doing, Daniel, and why you're doing it. And the reason why is because you can't, can't keep having every single person that listens to this program reach out to me and say, I, I need help, you know, and I want Dan Duvall to help me because I, I am really feeling horrible about the fact that, like, I sat down the other day to work on emails and I'm a month behind on emails coming through our website. I mean, a month. It's like February uh, 7th the other day and I'm answering emails from January 7th with that that just goes to show you how slammed I've been, right? And so what do I need to do? I, well, I need to equip people. <laughs> I need to give you the tools that God has given me so that God can lead you to do what he is doing through me. And that way, everybody is blessed. And so we're doing a program on freedom from principalities. The, the reality of the situation is that dealing with a heavenly prince is different than dealing with a low-level demon. Dealing with the heavenly prince is different than dealing with a low-level demon. Now, I'm doing this program a bit different. If you listen to this program on YouTube, uh, you never get announcements because I don't talk about it. But since I have no guests this week, I'm actually going to slide a few things right in there before I get into the rest of the meat of this program. Uh, Look, my book, my books, uh, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations and Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm are revolutions and I just want to let everybody know those are available um the more people that are turning around and saying hmm Dan Duvall writes books maybe I should read one of them uh we're getting a lot of really positive testimony and feedback on these books I mean people their thinking is being challenged and they are being empowered to go to another level with Jesus in the effectiveness of their walk and in their perspective of this world Folks, get your hands on those. Also, we have a DVD from my conference in Australia. And I talked about the kingdom for an entire conference. Uh, Those DVDs are at my website, www.bridemovement.com. Get your hands on that stuff. These are all tools for you. Um, Now, in in addition to that, all of the other stuff that we're doing is is really exciting. We're pushing towards starting an internet-based ministry service. We are reaching out and helping survivors of dissociative uh, of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control projects that have dissociative identity disorder. We are underwriting the help of people and we are expanding the number of people we are able to help in accordance with the resources that open up to us. Where are the resources coming from? The generous listeners to our program, you guys that bless us are blessing the kingdom and helping people that can't find help other places uh, because no one wants to touch some of these issues with a 10-foot pole. And we're diving into the front saying, we'll, we'll do it. Lord God, we'll help. And uh, we're building solutions. So, you know, again, all of this stuff, we talk about it at the website bridemovement.com where you can also find the prayer resources tab and the prayer that I'm going to be getting into in this program called Freedom from Principalities. Now, uh, let me preface this by giving a bit of a disclaimer, okay? 
There's a lot of talk in the body of Christ, which I agree with. It says, uh, you, sh you need to leave the principalities alone. Any kind of power in the heavens or what have you, it, you just leave them there. They belong where they are. Uh, if you go and try to attack them, you're going to get creamed. Well, you know what? Amen. If you're a baby Christian, if you're not called, if you're not appointed, if you're not assigned this task of going after them in the spirit realm, uh, specifically over actual geographic territory, so on and so forth, uh, <laughs> You're going to get creamed every time. Uh, but that's not exactly what we're talking about in this program. Okay, so I just want to make that distinction. Uh, this program is not about how to attack your territorial spirit in the area that you live. Um, that is a separate conversation. And on that issue, uh, it, it really, you can't even have that conversation apart from a kingdom revelation that God will... God has generals in his kingdom, and he's not going to make war on another territory without appointing a general and an army to the task. Um, and, and he's certainly not calling the, the babies and the little children in his kingdom to run around and throw pebbles at these giant spirits, uh, thinking that that's going to get something done. It, it doesn't. But what we're talking about today is how to get free when a prince in the heavens has anchored themselves to you or someone you are ministering deliverance to. I'm not talking about taking the city of New York from the prince that sits over the city. I'm, I'm talking about getting free from a heavenly prince that has interfaced with you or the person you are ministering to. Now, this is the conversation we're having today, which is why we're calling it Freedom from Principalities. And See, I say in the process of getting freedom in Christ Jesus, it can at times be necessary to separate from principalities and other types of fallen angels in the heavens. Uh, separating from a fallen angel's influence is different than, say, casting out a low-level demon. Angels and fallen heavenly powers, they, they interface with people but do not typically possess or even desire to spend a significant time amount of time in a human under their control. Uh, where do you see this? Well, Satan, you know what he did? He did enter Judas for a moment, but then Satan didn't stick around. He went in and came out. And as a matter of fact, three and a half years earlier, whatever, when Jesus was starting his ministry, Satan showed up while Jesus was uh, on his 40-day fast and said, hey, let me tempt you. And so Satan's in the spirit realm. He, he's not possessing Judas to do that. He, he, he's got his own body, right? So, so, so angels can move in, uh, cherubs and other types of fallen heavenly powers. You know, in the Bible, it describes nine orders of heavenly beings. You have uh, seraphim, cherubim, dominions, thrones, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and then what the Bible calls in the general sense angels. Um, there, there's different types of these orders of heavenly beings. And so it, it kind of becomes a slightly more complex conversation. Sometimes heavenly beings or uh, the hierarchies of the heavens is a, is a good term. Sometimes the Bible calls them the hosts of heaven. There's different kinds of them, different ones, different shapes, different forms, different abilities, different purposes in their original creation as God created them. And so when you are dealing with these fallen ones, they, they realistically, they have their own bodies. They have even, we'll get into this, their own realms. 
And so dealing with them can be a bit different. See, the, a demon is going to want to oppress a person. They want to take up space in a person's life. They just want to squat in there. And they don't have anywhere else to go. They don't have anywhere else to go. See, the, for instance, the, the legion in the, the Gadarene demoniac, well, he was living inside of that body, that, that legion. He was living inside of that human body, and, and he didn't want to go. Uh, but he had no choice. And so he said, well, better to beg Jesus for mercy and go into the swine. And so we see that there, there are certain spirits that will occupy the, the person. Um, Mary Magdalene, right? Jesus cast seven demons out of her. And so we see that there's this idea that like these low-level demons, these, well, they'll sit in the body, but the angels they're they're off doing their own thing as a matter of fact when gabriel got held up by the prince of persia in the book of daniel chapter 10 you know he's coming in daniel's fasting the prince of persia holds him up for 21 days until michael the archangel comes and assists and gabriel's able to get through and go free and be the messenger of the lord to daniel see that that right there that was not performed by the prince of persia in a human body he was in his body in the heavens doing that and so you see that there is this thing where the angels, the powers of the heavens, they, they have a different way of operating. And, you know, I deal with this all the time. I see it all the time because I'm always on the front lines of, of <laughs> the most hardcore stuff you can imagine, right? Um, especially because we get into this really murky water. We're talking about government-sponsored mind control. We're talking about people defecting from the Illuminati. We're talking about this is my ministry field. It's actually my assignment. So I have to deal with all this stuff all the time. It forces me to have to understand what I'm doing. And there's a reason why we're making progress. It's because God has taught us how to do what we do, which is why I'm talking to you. I'm going to say up front, if you are a religious Christian and you think you know what you are talking about and yet have never done deliverance on a very high level, uh, you will probably disagree with half of what I say today. Let me just say this. I don't care. <laughs> I'm on assignment to tell you how to get certain things done because I'm doing them. And so the, the, the truth of the matter is if you want to learn how to do something, go to the person that's doing it and knows what they're doing and ask them how to do it. Don't invent a philosophy and then apply it and think that it's going to get the job done. And there's a reason why a lot of people are not making much headway in certain areas of their lives or certain kinds of ministries. They pray for a person for five years and never get a breakthrough. And uh, these are often the people that will argue with me because they say, well, I can't possibly know what I'm doing when the person that they've been praying for for five years comes to me and in five minutes is getting set free. But, you know, what can I do about that? Um, I can just be obedient. I'm going to tell you what I know. And you know what? You do what you want with it. I'm going to make the resources available. You do what you want with it. I will say this. If you're going to minister to a person freedom from a heavenly prince or something like that, I would not recommend trying to do that as a baby Christian. Do, do, do not, if you got saved uh, three months ago, do not take this prayer and this teaching and go and try to begin ministering it to people. You know what? You will probably still get body slammed and hurt real bad. Um, this is a tool for people that are walking strong with the Lord, um, have grown to the point where they have some, some strength, they've closed the doors of sin in their lives. If you're going to minister on this level, you need to be a clean vessel uh, for the Lord. You need to have your stuff together. Um, 
if you are a person looking to get set free, uh, realistically, it is your right as a kingdom citizen to be free of heavenly powers. That, that Jesus Jesus ordained that for you. He purchased that for you. Um, there is a way to minister this to yourself. You may not be strong enough to do that, like to actually work your way through the prayer I'm going to be explaining Um and so what you do is you, you try to find a strong believer that can pray with you through it and and help you to get the freedom that Jesus purchased for you. So let me, let, I, I'm giving that disclaimer as well because I, I, what I don't want, and this is one of the reasons why I haven't talked about this or made it public, I just don't want people to get hurt. I, I, I really don't want people to hurt themselves um, with this information and with this prayer with this ministry because it's it, you're really getting up there at this point when you begin to look at doing this but look um the lord said it's time the lord said daniel tell him so i i'm telling you uh i have had to set a lot of people free from a long 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 list of heavenly powers and i'm going to be giving you that long 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 list of heavenly powers at the end of this program and i'll be giving a disclaimer again before i get into that list um trigger warning when i say the names of the powers that have interfaced with you it will probably trigger you and it it might be bad so if you think you have mega problems you're going to want to really be careful with that last part of the program where i name them all because uh yeah they're not going to be happy about it but I'm on assignment, so it's not my problem, um, but I do have to warn those of you that are listening. <laughs> this is a triggering program. Uh, so we're really uh, <laughs> poking the bees hive with this one. Uh, like I said, this might be one of the most important programs I've ever done. So uh, the, the angels, I'm coming back to a point I was making before. The, the fallen angels, the heavenly powers, they don't typically sit down and, and just possess a human body. They... They will they'll interface with the human body and but they'll primarily be in their own realm and just puppeting things. When we're beginning to deal with this issue, right, the connection to the heavenly powers, we have to deal with it based on the mechanics of how it actually manifests. We have to deal with it based on the mechanics of how it actually manifests. And I'm going to be explaining to you these mechanics. That's going to be the substance of this program, right? So here is the prayer. And to introduce you to this prayer, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be reading it. And I have found that the most effective way to uh, work your way through this and to just get the freedom, I mean, just lickety split, is is, is to uh, name, <laughs> Name the heavenly prince you are dealing with, uh, which is why I'll be providing a list of names at the end of this. And of course, it's not all inclusive, but it's definitely quite a hefty list uh, because it, it, it just provides a certain pinpoint accuracy to the prayer. Everyone knows exactly what the prayer is being applied to, who it's being applied to. There's no mincing words and there's no confusion. Um, uh, how, how do you figure out the name of the principality that's that's bugging you? Well, you ask the Lord. Ask the Spirit of Truth. <laughs> Listen to the end of this program as I go through the list and see which ones make you double over and feel woozy, make your head spin, and make you feel like you want to vomit. Uh, that's a good sign that that's the one that's bugging you. Um, there's, there's different ways to figure it out. Ultimately, the Bible says this. 
God has given us the spirit of truth that will lead us and guide us into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that he will speak, and he will show us things to come. See, God wants you to be free, and so he'll give you the information you need. Now, this prayer is designed with the assumption in mind that you have solved the riddle. Who is it in the heavens that is binding you and causing you problems? From that point forward, you're able to say this prayer and just insert the name. Now, for this uh, run through, what I'm going to be just using is the, the, the word principality. Why? Generic term. Uh, whenever I say principality, uh, if you read the prayer and get it off of my website, you'll just see a blank line. That's where you insert the name of the one you're dealing with. But I'll be using principality to make it generic, right? And so the prayer, it goes like this. Father in heaven, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I renounce principality and serve him a bill of divorce. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your heavenly hosts would be put on assignment to place every altar or part in me that is loyal to principality on temporary lockdown. I pray that those parts would be put to sleep. I now deed principality's territory in me over to the kingdom of God, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take the throne and begin to rule this territory with your rod of iron. In the name of Jesus, I now bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point belonging to principality, his realm, and his inheritance. I place the blood of Jesus upon every portal access point, and I seal them with the Holy Spirit. I declare that they are put to sleep and permanently deactivated from this day forward. I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I cut myself free from principality, his realm, and his inheritance in Jesus' name. I return every form of counterfeit inheritance, inclusive of promised wealth, position, status, calling, ability, power, genetic code, seed, and any other form of inheritance in Jesus' name. I refuse it and sever myself from it, and from this day forward, I choose to receive my inheritance in Jesus Christ. I renounce all spirit children related to principality and undo all quantum entanglements involved in their creation. I also reclaim every part of me that has been imprisoned by principality or in his realm. I appeal to justice according to 1 Corinthians 3.17, which declares that as a man sows, so shall he reap. I pray that principality would now reap a hundredfold return for all of the evil sown against me, my ancestors, and all whom I represent in the form of justice and judgment in Jesus' name. I now take authority over every demon on the inside of me and around me that has been operating under the authority of principality. I declare that you are discovered, apprehended, bound, pierced through, and thrust out of me for judgment. I declare that you are being sent to where the Lord Jesus sends you. Lastly, I pray that every spiritual object, tattoo, or branding placed in or around every part of me by principality, or those under his authority would be consumed in the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved. I now cause principality's memory to perish regarding every part of me and my seed in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that, that is 
what I call the 10 steps to freedom from a principality. It rolls right off the tongue. It really cuts down. It is like a shorthand for what could take hours or even weeks. Um, it has taken certain people very extensive amounts of work to get set free from princes in the heavens because they didn't know what they were doing. And so it, it, it ends up like an endless battle. It's like, I, I just, no matter how hard I pray or how many times I address this thing, I just can't get free. It just won't let go. Many deliverance ministers, when they have come up against the, the princes in the heavens, it's, I, I can't deal with the princes. I just leave them alone. I, you know what? If a person's bound to a prince, that's their problem. I cannot help them with that. Um, I might be able to minister some inner healing. We might help them to cope with certain things, but we, we can't get to them because they're too strong. When we go up against them, we always get our butt kicked. We, we don't have the ability to have victory, and, and we don't know why. Um, well, uh, praise the Lord for revelation, coaching, and the fires of frontline warfare. It'll help you get your theology straight on this stuff. And so now that I've given you the prayer... What I'm going to do is I'm going to backtrack, right? And I'm going to go point by point for the 10 points that are this prayer. And I'm going to tell you why this is so super effective. Uh, we have been tirading <laughs> through the heavens um, and just n knocking people free of all manner of entities up there and, and powers and, and getting this freedom on just incredible levels. I, I, I mean, I'm, I literally just almost leave this prayer open on my desktop anymore because I have to go through it so many times and it's so super effective. Super effectiveness. That's what this is. And uh, it's acceleration because when you do things the right way, you, you cut down time. And as I've been in the process of developing, because this is, this is actually the work of several years of tailoring, of learning, of figuring things out and of, you know, trial and error, right? Um, to boil it down to literally 10 points of the most effective things to address in order to get a person set free and severed in one moment. Um, I literally <laughs> helped a person get set free from the queen of heaven, from the backseat of a car, while uh, someone was driving <laughs> them home in five minutes because I had this prayer memorized and this queen of heaven, powerful spirit uh, that was interfaced with them, tried to manifest. And you know what? I, I, I just <laughs> uh, broke their influence in the name of Jesus, helped the person get through this prayer and renunciation. And they were completely free by the time they got home. It's that super effective. I mean, I'm saying this is just glorious. It's so awesome. But it requires a certain understanding. I'm going to give it to you. It's going to stretch you. Uh, the, the reason why this prayer works is going to stretch you, which is good. Praise the Lord for discovering the truth of Dan Duvall. You know, uh, this whole show is an eruption of all the journey that I take with Jesus, right? Because I'm the first one. I'm like right there with Jesus. And man, he's telling me stuff, blowing my mind. Every week my theology changes. You know how that goes. And uh, yeah, but it, it, what it does is it graduates us into more effective ministry. You know, the, the question is, do I want to hold on to what I think uh, is true that does not work? Or do I want to let that go and embrace the truth of what God understands, which will work? And this prayer is the tailoring of many revelation moments on many things. 
that have graduated me into the way the Lord understands things. And that's why it works, right? So we're going to come back now and begin to assess why this prayer has been written the way it has. And so that takes me to point number one. And point number one says, Father in heaven, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and I renounce principality and serve him a bill of divorce. Now, let me explain this, okay? When a person is in bondage to a principality, there is virtually always some kind of contractual agreement between the parties. Something was done. Um, people get dedicated in rituals to powers in the heavens as infants and young children. Uh, they might not agree with what's happening to them, but if, say, they have a parent that agrees or signs them over, it still is legal in the spirit realm. Um, you can be born, and we'll get into some of that, with, with genetic markers that tie you to certain powers in the heavens. It's there's this whole thing of generational iniquity that plays into the conversation. But there's always some kind of agreement, even if the agreement doesn't seem fair by our standards. Uh, the devil doesn't play fair. He cheats, lies, steals, destroys, kills, maims. And whatever he can get away with, he's going to try to. Um, even if he's not allowed to do something, he'll still try to do it at times and see if anyone's going to call him on it. <laughs> and there's so many Christians that they, they're getting trashed by the devil because they just don't know that they're supposed to call the devil on what he's doing illegally to them. That's another conversation. So right now, what, I, what I'm saying is that there's always some kind of contractual agreement. And, and, it, and it, it manifests a type of marriage or binding together. Um, and you can look at the pattern this way. God entered into covenant with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament through the Mosaic Covenant. Um, and that was based on the idea that God would provide the nation of Israel blessings and benefits. And he would, you know, give them all of this, what they talk about in Deuteronomy 28. Set them high above all the nations of the earth. They would be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed when they came in, blessed when we go out. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lenders only and not the debtors. God would give them all of this wonderful benefit. But in exchange for that, they had to keep the Torah, which was his law. And so what happened was that they violated his laws repeatedly over many generations. So what you have then is you have people and they are tied to a divine being, that being Jehovah God, Yahweh. And so that is a relationship and it's, it's described as a marriage relationship. And what happened was because the people were unfaithful, God says this um, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So we see that a divine being in a marriage covenant relationship with humans can be divorced from them. That's the pattern. That's why this language, the whole prayer is biblical. It's just 
going a bit deeper with your revelation. So if God could divorce the nation of Israel, if, if a divine being could be divorced from humans, then that, that runs true for the dark side as well. See, uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Hosea uh, reminds us of what happened there. And in Hosea chapter 2, it says, um, Bring charges against your mother, bring charges, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. He's speaking of Israel, right? Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. This is Hosea chapter 2. So what we see is that um, when the relationship between a person or group of people and a divine being is severed, it also severs the influences coming into that person or group of people from the divine being. Right, So God was no longer blessing the nation of Israel. His influence and ability to uh, bridge the veil and overwhelm them with the abundance of his resources was not being active. Well, the same thing happens with the heavenly powers that are evil. In present-day deliverance, when people are severed from evil powers in the heavens, they will be severed from their evil influences, crimes, and pirating, so that they can be set free into the liberty of Jesus Christ. So it's the inverse of the same principle. If God could divorce Israel, uh, you can divorce a heavenly prince or power that is hurting you. So we start there, right? The first step is a step of faith and saying, well, I disagree with my relationship with this evil thing, and I, I divorce it. Um, there are men and women in the nation of Israel. So what you have to understand is this language applies even if you are a man, say, you know, uh, your name is Jeff, and the principality you've been tied to is named Mammon, and Mammon is male, <laughs> Jeff is male, you, you can still say uh, as Jeff, I divorce Mammon. I serve him a bill of divorce, right? Um, this is accurate. So that's the first step. We, you, you want to set a decree. You want to issue a divorce. That's it. We are done. I am severing this relationship legally. Then we have to move beyond that because I guarantee you, if you just say that and stop there, you'll never be free. <laughs> because the thing is, these princes in the heavens, they don't just walk away. Say, oh, you don't want to be, all right, fine, you know. Well, have a nice life. I'm sorry you didn't like it while I was in your life, you know. Um, I hope you find someone better. No way. You're their puppet and a power source and someone that they are pirating from. It's because of the people that the princes in the heavens have interfaced with, that they have power in the earth. So every time they lose someone, they lose some power. Every time they lose someone, they lose some power, which is why this might be one of the most important programs I've ever done. Because you know what? If 1 million people listened to this program and 1 million people got set free from 1 million <laughs> types of bondage to princes, they would have 1 million less power sources in the earth. That's going to make a shift in the spirit realm, uh, especially if, say, it all happened in the same city or in the same township. Now you're looking at geographic deliverance, but we're going to keep it on the prayer, right? Because what do I want? I want you to be free. 
I was, uh, okay. So anyway, point number two. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your heavenly hosts, that these are the ones that serve Jesus, um, your heavenly hosts would be put on assignment to place every altar or part in me that is loyal to principality on temporary lockdown. I pray that those parts would be put to sleep. Now, uh, the thing is, uh, you have two types of people that are really going to have a problem with heavenly princes. You have people that are not shattered and dissociated and people that are shattered and dissociated. So uh, for, for someone that's not shattered and dissociated, but they are somehow attached to a heavenly prince, what will happen is there may be a part of them that vacillates. Like uh, if you've ever been sitting there watching TV and you see, okay, there's a uh, really great hamburger on the television set right now. It looks so delicious. I want to go get that hamburger. But but then part of you is like, no, I don't want that hamburger because I don't want to get the calories in my body. That's going to be bad. I, I should eat a salad, right? So now part of you wants it, part of you does it, part of you wants it, part of you doesn't. And you're sitting there kind of immobilized, like, what do I do? Do I go and get that? Or do I sit here and be good to myself? And that that doesn't require any kind of dissociation. That's called double-mindedness. Anyone can go through that. And so what you need, whether you are, you know, not fragmented and dissociated or are, is single-mindedness on the issue. Now, for the person that's been subjected to, say, satanic ritual abuse, which we deal with in many of our programs, government-sponsored mind control, we deal with it in many of our programs. I'm not going to get into that conversation. All I'm going to say is trauma leads to dissociation that will manifest as alternate personalities within a person. And when people go through things like satanic ritual abuse, uh, there will be parts of them that have been dissociated through trauma that are in agreement or loyal to the heavenly princes and will not agree with deliverance. And see, uh, sometimes you don't know if you're dissociated. And, and as a deliverance minister, if you, someone just comes up to you and says, I need deliverance from this, you don't always know what you're dealing with either. You might not know the person's whole history. Uh, the person may say, I, I'm not dissociated. I've not been through satanic ritual abuse. And they're in denial. <laughs> I see it all the time, you know. And the Holy Spirit will tell me they're in denial, you know. And, and I'll know, but they won't know. And I can't tell them because they'll just be mad at me. So the prayer is designed to uh, route around any confusion in this area. How so? Well, first of all, we're identifying that we are going to get the individual to a state of single-mindedness. The Bible says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's James 1. Verses five through eight. See, double-mindedness. Double-mindedness is a big problem, and if you are attempting to get set free and delivered from a heavenly prince, you can't be double-minded on the issue as you are going through the process. That has to be single-mindedness. And so, what happens here is when you ask believing that you receive, what happens is God responds. He sends His resources because. It doesn't really matter whether you have the authority to take on a principality over a city or not. This is for your personal life. And 
Jesus Christ died to set the captives free. So this is your right as a believer in Christ. If you've been bound, you always have the right to be set free from a principality. Always, always. That is always within your territory of jurisdiction, your sphere of authority. You always have the right to be free. So we're in safe territory in doing this. Um, You're not crossing any red tape, so to speak. So what you do is you say, I pray that your heavenly hosts, Lord God, because they will respond, because you are part of a kingdom that has resources that answer to the king. Those angels will come in and what they'll do is they'll take all the altars, if you're dissociated, or parts of you, if you're not dissociated, that that are in agreement with the continued presence of that principality or heavenly power and shut them down as a matter of fact they'll be put to sleep have you ever tried to argue while you're sleeping you can't and neither can the parts of you that are put to sleep by god's power because of this prayer remember the bible says whatever you ask believing you receive it you will have it There is a principle that allows you to do this and to ask for this. See, I've confronted uh, principalities in attempting to get people set free in a number of ways. Head on, back door, roundabout, over a period of days. You know, there's different kinds of ways where this has played out. And what I have found is that there's always a certain flow and, and, and always certain points that once I hit all of them, that's when I began to notice the pattern. Once I would hit all of the specific sets of issues, the, the, the powers would have nothing left to hold on to or anchor in with, and it would be complete. It would be done. And I began to articulate that. And that's what ultimately grew into this prayer through a, years of refinement and many, many deliverances ministered effectively to the point where if I know it's there, five minutes, done. And uh, they hate that. But you know what? That's why God has me telling you how to get it done. Because many of you, I mean, you know, uh, you might have some ideas about how theologically things work in the spirit realm, whatever, and they might be right or wrong. But if you have major problems, more than being proven right in your philosophy, what you want, you want freedom. You want the pain to stop. And so God does too. And and. and for, for all of the experience I've had, uh, I, I want to give it to you so that you understand how, how you can have that from Jesus, right? What you've been looking to him for all this time. So, so th- this is what you do. Th- this is one of the steps. If you take away from them their ability to leverage agreement from parts of you that put you into double-mindedness, you're ready for the next step. This is how you do it clean, right? <laughs> you know, um, A sharp blade will cut through something much faster than a dull blade will cut through something. Uh, A butter knife, you will have a very hard time sawing through wood with a butter knife. But with a buzzsaw, two minutes. I mean, it's right through there. Uh, This is a buzzsaw. Put that double-mindedness to sleep. You're right in there, ready to move forward. So the next part of the prayer is the deeding, right? So point number three says, 
I now deed principalities territory in me over to the kingdom of God. And I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take the throne and begin to rule over this territory with your rod of iron. Now, in order to explain this, I have to explain territory. So I am going to point us to the parable of the sower, right? And in the parable of the sower, Jesus said, well, listen, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed into four types of field. He put seed in wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground. And uh, none, none of the seeds on the uh, wayside ground even took root. They just got taken away. The birds took them, ate them up. Uh, in the thorny ground, well, it got choked. In the stony ground, it grew for a little bit, then wilted. But in the good ground, there's a harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That hears, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? So there's this parable, and in Matthew 13, the parable is not only there as a parable, it's also there as an explanation. And so in verse 18 of Matthew 13, it says, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. Um, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So what that does is that just defines some of the parabolic elements of that parable to us. What it tells us is that the seed that the sower is sowing is the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom is the incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is, in effect, the word Yeshua, salvation of the kingdom. And so what you see, though, is that the ground upon which that seed is being sown represents the heart. And what we see is that the ground is there's four types of ground, wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and and, and finally fertile ground. So uh, the, the parable continues, the explanation, he says, this is he who received seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some an hundredfold, some 30, or some 60. So what we see there is that if our heart is our field, our heart contains territory. See, a field is actually a territory. It's a space. So God would desire for that space to be occupied by something that is giving him a harvest. But essentially, it is territory to be occupied. The heart, right? So um, another parable that's a bit later says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed into his field. Again, the field, into the heart. Which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. See, the kingdom of God, that message, at which, which is the connection to the realm 
of God in the third heaven is designed to take root in our heart and become the expression of his kingdom in our hearts. In other words, God's kingdom is designed to occupy the territory of your heart. And when it does, it grows into a tree. What does that tree do? It provides nourishment, right? It begins to bring influence that is amazing to behold to the extent that the birds of the air will come and nest in its branches. Well, what are the birds? Um, The Bible says our soul is escaped out of the snare of the fowler. You see, when the kingdom of God, being the realm in which God is king, begins to express itself in and through your life by occupying the territory of your heart. Everyone that comes around you, persons, the souls of men, they are going to receive nourishment. They are going to receive influence. They're going to receive safe haven. They're going to have an encounter with the resources of God just because they got near you. That's the beauty of this thing, that incorruptible seed. You would not expect that the savior of the world would have come in this package of someone from Nazareth and 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 to the to to die but what he provides is access and and acceptance and in connection to this kingdom that's designed to occupy all the area of your life such that when it's fully expressed man the birds of the air the fowls the souls of men come unto you. See, Jesus wants to draw all nations unto himself, and he does that uh, through you and I, by, a, by, by engaging them through our hearts. And so the kingdom occupies territory, right? So when we understand that the heart is territory to be occupied, we begin to understand that God might not be the only party interested in occupying the territory of our hearts, Pornography is interested in occupying the territory of your heart. Strife is interested in occupying the territory of your heart. Alcoholism is interested in occupying the territory of your heart. Greed is interested in occupying the territory of your heart. On and on. So there's all this stuff that can occupy, but God wants his kingdom occupied. So what happens is our heart, well, our hearts, they, they become a battleground. As a matter of fact, The primary real estate of the spirit realm is the hearts of men. But this goes deep. This goes even deeper than that because we have to understand what the heart is, right? So the heart, the heart is the subconscious realm. The subconscious resides at the lowest part of the human soul. And so it it, it is not separated from a conversation of the spirit because... In the book of Romans, chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, we see a, a passage that says, He is not a Jew which is one outwardly of the circumcision of the flesh, but he who is a Jew is one that is inward of the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. There's this thing where the heart, being the subconscious or that territory that is designed to be occupied, <laughs> actually bridges between things soul and spirit. And so we have to look at the spirit for a complete understanding of this picture because these heavenly princes reside in the spirit realm but want to occupy territory lending into your subconscious. How do they do that? Well, the first thing that you have to understand here, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm breaking it down. <laughs> this is too deep, Dan. I just want the prayer. Go to the website, www.bridemovement.com. Get the prayer. These are the mechanics. 
See, in order to understand what's happening here and how the spirits work their way into your subconscious, you have to understand this principle that spirits are also realms. Spirits are both persons and realms. And I, every time I say that, people get this glazed look in their eyes like, oh gosh, what does that even mean? Spirits are persons and realms? I don't, I don't understand. I don't even know what the human spirit is. Well, here's, here's the deal, right? First, First Thessalonians 5.23 says, uh, well, I would that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. All three, right? So it's in the Bible. We just have to understand what's going on there. When, when we begin to talk about the spirit part of us, um, it helps a great deal to look at other spirits in the Bible and how they are described. And so I point people to a study on death and hell. Why? Because death and hell revealed to us that spirits are both persons and realms. Really? Absolutely. Actually, the entire introduction to what I call the in Christ study is based on this revelation that spirits are realms because the whole in Christ study is about how you are called to live out of the abundance of a realm called Hotel Jesus because you are in him. How do you get inside of Jesus? He's a realm because he is a spirit designed to be occupied. But we'll get to that a little bit deeper. Let's start with death and hell. The Bible says in Revelation 6, 8, So I looked and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, hunger, death, by the beasts of the earth. See, in this passage you have what is called a personal pronoun. What is a personal pronoun? Him, her, them, he, she. These are personal pronouns. They refer to persons, right? They refer to persons. I, I don't refer to my carpet as he or she. I refer to my carpet as it. Um, because it is an inanimate object that I walk on. But a person... Sue, Debbie, Jane, whatever have you, names, Bill, Bob. These, these are persons. And so I don't call Bob an it. And I don't call Sue an it unless I want to make them feel bad. Unless I want to dehumanize them. So they have like literary techniques they call personification. Where you personify an inanimate object as a wordplay or illustration. But what's happening in the Bible is not personification. It is a revelation that death and hell are persons. They're actual spirit beings and entities. They, they, that's what they are. And so death and Hades are referred to as him <laughs> and them, personal pronouns, him and them. And they're pictured as riding a horse, right? And, and so that's what a person would do. A spirit can do that. So, so death and hell, right? They're, they're pretty. You, you could actually go into spirit realm and meet death. You, you can meet Hades. <laughs> One of the ways he appears is, is, is wearing a tux. He has no eyes. It's like blackness. He has a watch. He could kill people. Uh, we've seen them, right? So the uh, death, death, 
you know, it, it personified him in many ways. Uh, oftentimes, he has a scythe. He has a hood over his head, black cloak. That, that's actually what he wears in the spirit realm. Um, the Greeks personified these guys because they knew they were real spirits. So uh, the Bible doesn't do anything different. And so what we see is that they are persons. But then Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In hell. So see, when a person dies and they are not saved by grace through faith in the true Lord Jesus Christ, they are going to hell. That's a place. So how can Hades or hell be both a person and a realm? Well, that's exactly what a spirit is. They are both persons and realms. That is the leap in logic that you have to make if you're going to be able to understand spiritual principles and the mechanics of the spirit realm in general. This is actually a foundational truth. See, we can't understand the spirit because we don't understand certain foundational aspects of its mechanics. We live in 3D world, but we don't know how it works out in 4D and 5D world and up from that. But what I'm telling you is it works based on the principle that spirits are persons and realms. And so everything in the spirit realm is a realm. <laughs> okay, so the Bible says in Revelation 20, verses 13 through 14, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, right? So at this great white throne judgment, death and Hades are delivering up the dead which are in them. So persons are also being habitated by the spirits of dead men and women because death and hell are both persons and realms. Um, there's another passage in Isaiah 28, 15. It says, because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, that's the uh, Hebrew term for hell or Hades, but we are in agreement when the overflowing scourge passes through. It will not come for us. We have made lives our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. See, there, you, you don't make a, com a covenant with an event. You make a covenant with another party or person. So you see this passage where there's a covenant being established with the persons, death and Sheol, persons. So in, 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 a, in a biblical assessment of this conversation, the correct understanding we arrive at is that spirits, at least death and hell, are both persons and realms. But then this actually uh, carries over right into our revelation of what happens in the new covenant for the believer. Because in the new covenant for the believer, we are found in Christ and Christ is found in us. As a matter of fact, Romans 8.1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in, in, in Christ Jesus. But Romans 8, 10 says, and if Christ is in you. So the question becomes, well, how can you be in Christ if Christ is also in you? Because Jesus is a person that's around. Think about it like a hotel. Jesus becomes your hotel. And when you come to salvation, you enter the door. 
Jesus said, I am the door. The door to what? Hotel Jesus. And you go inside. And then the Bible says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Right? Here's the mystery. When you approach the Father, the Father sees Jesus and you're accepted. That's why Ephesians 1.3 says we have been accepted in the Beloved. Actually, that's Ephesians 1.4. I don't know. Uh, that, that one, I, I, my brain's not working there. Uh, okay, so you are accepted in the beloved. Who is the beloved? The beloved is Jesus Christ. Why are you accepted in there? Because inside of the one who fulfilled the requirements of God for righteousness, you can be accepted by the Father. So you have to be inside of him to be accepted. So he becomes your hotel. You go in through the door, you're in hotel Jesus. You are in the realm that is Jesus Christ as a believer. Wow! You never thought about it like that because, well, we're not trained to think in spiritual mechanics. We're trained to think in 3D mechanics. There's some overlap and then there's some distinctions to be made. We have to part ways with certain 3D thinking to get how some of this stuff works. So what happens then is that because Jesus is a realm, we can inhabit him, but because we, are a realm in the spirit. Your spirit is a realm. My spirit is a realm. Uh, Jesus Christ can inhabit us. And so the Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. <laughs> so you, you see, there's this idea that you are a realm, hotel, Jane hotel, Sue hotel, Daniel. Jesus comes in and then Jesus begins to make changes in our realm while we who have entered into him begin to experience and encounter blessings and provisions in his realm. So there's a simultaneous work. It's, uh, it, it's quite profound. It occurs simultaneously. Jesus enters your realm and you enter his realm. It's dimensional overlay. So uh, that's why, that's why a prince can portal into an interface with your subconscious through your spirit because you are a realm that they can come into. So that's what happens. So, so they, they move in, right? They move in and set up camp in your territory, your spirit, your heart, your soul, um, all can be affected on some level or another by the influence of a heavenly prince. And that becomes territory that they have taken away from the ability of God, Jesus Christ, to influence even if the person has come to Jesus. They're still in bondage. They need to be set free. So what we do after we have put all the parts that would disagree with freedom to sleep we give the territory the heavenly princes are squatting on in us to the kingdom of God. We say, no, we want that seed that will produce a crop. In that territory, you are squatting on, jerks. And Jesus Christ is going to rule over it from now on. So that invites the king of kings and all of his resources into that land, into that space, into that territory. Remember, the prime real estate of the Spirit realm is the heart of man and woman. So, so there's 
a deeding over. There's a legal transaction. You, you just took everything they were sitting on and gave it away. You're like, all right, well, you know what? You're not going to leave uh, willfully, but I'm going to give your little house to Jesus and he'll evict you. <laughs> he'll rule over your stuff with his rod of iron, right? And so now we're engaging the power of God to kick out the squatter. So it says, deed the territory in me over to the kingdom of God, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to take the throne and to rule the territory with your rod of iron. Why take the throne? Well, well, this is interesting. See, everything God does, they hijack and try to counterfeit, right? So Isaiah 6.1 says, in the, king, in, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and a train of his robe filled the temple. See, everyone's jealous of God. Like, wow, look at that throne. That's impressive. I want one. I'm jealous. So they set thrones up. They set thrones. It's just a counterfeit of what God has. See, everything the devil does, he's trying to take what God has or did and make one for himself. (laughs) Everything in the kingdom of darkness is just counterfeiting the truths of God's kingdom. When the devil gives people gifts, he simply recreates a counterfeit of what God has genuinely established for people or can genuinely give people. It's amazing. Um, so, so, so they make thrones and they'll put them inside of you. So they'll have one. Give their throne to Jesus. <laughs> Not going to do them much good once Jesus kicks them out of it and sits down on it. So uh, we, we, we take away their throne. And then uh, the last part, um, in Psalm 2.9, it says, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. See, the, the iron rod of Jesus is designed to dash the enemies of God to pieces. <laughs> so you are agreeing with God's word that that's exactly what the iron rod of Jesus is going to do to the criminal that's been hijacking your life. Revelation 19.15 says, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. So that territory in your heart is designed to be ruled. Just You have to be determined who's going to rule it. Is it going to be the principality, you, or God? And I'll tell you what, once the principality has it, you'll never get it back without God. That's it. They're more powerful than you, uh, but they're not more powerful than Jesus. So, uh, that is step three. Then we get to step four, right? Step four in the prayer. In the name of Jesus, I now bind all gatekeepers and discover each and every portal access point belonging to principality, his realm, and his inheritance. Now, I, I described that spirits are both persons and realms, right? And that's why... Uh, through spiritual mechanics, a heavenly prince that is in the spirit realm can engage the territory of your subconscious, which is the lowest part of your soul. And now we're getting into that idea of portaling in. See, our spirits are realms, but they also are designed to function as portals. What does that mean? Well, first of all, a portal is a doorway. A doorway. And there can be doorways opened through the soul as well. Don't get me wrong. It's just we're dealing with different levels. And it, and it can be both. It, it, it can be coming through soul-level doorways, spirit-level doorways. Uh, it, it, it really gets pretty complex. But 
um, there, there are going to be in every person that's been hijacked and pirated by a heavenly prince, doorways or portals. When you look at a person, you have to look at this through the biblical lens of how God designed us to work. First Kings chapter eight. Uh, there, there's an event there where Solomon, he, he has just finished building the temple that David began, and he dedicates the temple with this massive sacrifice. And the priests go to minister, but the glory of the Lord fills the temple from that place of the Holy of Holies, and it's so potent, this cloud, it pushes the priests out so that they can't minister. So what happened there? Well, the temple was designed to be God's door to earth. It's the interface point. Interface point between heaven and earth. And then God transitioned the temple from the physical building to the believer. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? For if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So, see, because of the way God designed human spirits, there is this ability to be a portal between the spirit and the natural. It's inherent to our creation. And so, for that reason, it can be hijacked. In the same way that God can abide in a person as they become his temple, <laughs> right? These evil princes in the heavens can portal in as well. They, they can come right in. They can open portals in different areas. Uh, one, one of the big portal openers is trauma, believe it or not. It's just amazing. So a portal is simply a doorway or entrance. So when a, when a person is in bondage to a heavenly prince, there will always be portals coming into them. And those portals are going to be guarded by what are called gatekeepers. What are gatekeepers? Well, gatekeepers can actually be a wide variety of things. They can be demons. They can be parts of a person that are loyal to the principality. They can be demonized parts of a person that are loyal to a principality. They can be hybrid spirits. <laughs> and it gets weirder and weirder from there, believe me. Uh, there are some things I, I just can't even get to. It's so strange, but nonetheless, um, it's it's there. And so uh, the easiest way to do this is to engage it by job description. See, no matter what kind of thing is there doing that job of being a gatekeeper, whose job is to hold open those portals um, no matter what, when you address it and you say, well, I bind the gatekeepers, whatever kind of spirit those are, they are getting bound. And that's what you need. Because see, when people go and, and try to do this severing from, from a heavenly prince, the problem is they don't know all the mechanics they're up against. It's a, it's, it's a huge mess of interwoven anchor points and agreement points and, and uh, uh, legal, legal issues that we don't know how to pray through. And so we get stuck. This is one of them. See, those gatekeepers, if you don't deal with them, will fight you and do everything in their power to hold those portals open so they can't be closed to the realm's person and inheritance of the heavenly prince. So you bind them first. This is how you do it in five minutes. Just know they're there. Why? Dan Duvall figured it out so you didn't have to. And um, you bind them. And once they're bound, then you can move forward. And you say this. 
we discover every portal access point belonging to principality, his realm, and his inheritance. We discover them all, every single one of them going out from that person. They're uncovered. Now the angels of the Lord that are working with you uh, from the spirit realm, you can't see them, sometimes you can, uh, to, to get you set free because this is your inheritance in Jesus Christ. They're going to do this. And then they're going to see them all. So everything's now laid bare. No mysteries. So the next thing is that you have to uh, seal. Seal the portals. We have to close them. All the doors have to be closed. Because if they're not, what happens is eventually they come back. They reattach. Or they're never fully disattached. We're talking about a clean run in and out and severed. That's what we're after. So uh, we have to deal with this. This is, this is, I mean, in every case, they always have the portals. So how do you seal them? Step five. I place the blood of Jesus upon every portal access point and I seal them with the Holy Spirit. I declare that they are put to sleep and permanently deactivated from this day forward. See, just like blood clots to cover a wound, the blood of Jesus will cover an opening in the spirit or the soul, um, the subconscious. It, it can cover that in the non-physical realm. The blood of Jesus. It'll clot. And then you seal it with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, okay. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. Second uh, Corinthians one twenty two. Who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Ephesians 1.3 In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So what you do is you apply the word of God and you seal all the portals. With the provision of God. Now they won't work. Then you put them to sleep. Um, when you put something to sleep in the spirit realm, you render it incapable of functioning or performing its intended job. Right? And there's patterns. There's patterns that we find in scripture, shadows. God put Adam to sleep to make Eve. Put him to sleep. Adam was incapacitated. Didn't work. Body didn't work. Couldn't work. Couldn't do his... You know, any, any, any uh, naming of animals or any other kind of thing. He, he was just out. Uh, God put Abraham to sleep to make the Abrahamic covenant. Cut the animals open. He was waiting for the Lord. Deep sleep came upon him. He was out. Why? God didn't need him awake. God made the covenant all by himself. He's like, Abraham, you did your job. Now I'm going to do my job and I'm going to make a covenant with you based on me. <laughs> You're going to have nothing to do with it because there's nothing that you can do that will cause this covenant to fail. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that's on me. And so what happened is, you know, you put him to sleep, incapacitated. Nothing Abraham could do, right? Um, in the Bible, in Isaiah 29, verse 10, it says, For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seer. See, there's, a, there's this thing that's called the spirit of deep sleep. And this can be a bondage, realistically. The spirit of deep sleep can be a bondage. Um, but it ends the functional capacity for the prophets of the Lord. The principle is that anything in a spirit realm can be put to sleep. And when you do that, 
Well, it whatever it is, is rendered incapable of functioning or performing its intended job. So this, you, you seal the portals, and you put them to sleep and deactivate them permanently. That's it. They're done. Out for the count. Those portals are not going to be reopened. They can't work. They're incapacitated and sealed. So once you do that, you sever all the cords. So step six, I take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and I cut myself free from principality, his realm and his inheritance in Jesus' name. Now, the the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So this sword that we get in the spirit is able to sever in the spirit realm, in the soul realm, in the heart, right? So no matter where those portal access points are coming in, that Holy Spirit sword is able to sever those cords. And the portals are... I mean, they, they portal through cords in the spirit. That's, that's what everything passes. You could think about it as, you know, wormholes. I mean, they're, they're everywhere in the spirit realm. And that's how things transact back and forth. And so uh, they open a doorway and attach a cord to it. And that cord is like a wormhole that passes between the person and the spirit, the heavenly prince, their realm, their inheritance. And so that sword of the spirit is capable of severing on every level of your non-physical nature. Now, the question becomes, okay, Daniel, I get it. I, I understand why I would sever the cord between myself and the heavenly prince, but why their realm? Why their inheritance? And in order to understand this, uh, you have to, again, this is deeper teaching, and I'm giving it to you. Jude 1.6 says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, this verse in Jude 1.6 applies to the B'nai Halohim, class angels, that came down to mate with women in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And, of course, that was what led to the incursions of Nephilim before the flood. And so what happened to them is that they were locked up in chains under darkness, which in 2 Peter 2.4 is clarified as Tartarus, also to be understood as the deepest, darkest part of hell. And in order to do what they did at that time, they gave up something. It was called their domain. Well, in the Greek, that word domain actually comes from the word archi. It's the word archi in Greek, which means a principality or jurisdiction. In other words, they, all the angels in the heavens, were given a plot, a, a territory in the spirit realm. And God said, this belongs to you. This is your jurisdiction. Well, these angels abandoned theirs. They abandoned their realm to do their sin. They also abandoned their abode. Now, that word abode may sound similar to domain, and it can be kind of confusing, unless you realize that the word abode is translated from the Greek word oikaterion, which is the same word that Paul uses for house in reference to the physical body that uh, we, we, we inhabit, you know. So we're going to put off this, this house and we're going to put on our house from heaven at the return of the Lord, a glorified body. So in, in, in essence, uh, they, they gave up their heavenly body suit um, in favor of 
what they took on in order to then mate with the women and give birth to the hybrids. So um, there is an Oikaterian, a house from heaven, that we are going to receive. They gave theirs up in that time. So anyway, uh, what we see there is that these heavenly powers gave up their their, their domains, their archies, their principalities, their jurisdictions, their territories. So see, spirits in the heavens can have them. But these ones were locked up in Tartarus. There's a whole lot of other ones, okay? They weren't necessarily part of that specific rebellion. They're part of something else. And so they're up there. They're in the second heaven. And they have their own archies. They have their own domains. They don't need your physical body because they have a whole realm that belongs to them. They have their own throne rooms in the heavenly places. That's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So they have their own domains up there. And so what they do is they portal into people and establish a, uh, a puppeting, so to speak, and a platform for leveraging their power into the earth realm. Without people, they have no agreement. They have no access. And they're stuck. So I look at principalities like dog walkers. The principality is a dog walker. They have a bunch of cords coming out of their hand. And they have a bunch of dogs on a leash. Dogs aren't going anywhere. They don't want them to go. Why? Because they are holding the cords. (laughs) The cords are like the, the portals that run from them to you. It's around your neck and it chokes you. And it chokes your life. It chokes you out. And they, they, they have a whole bunch. I mean, you see a dog walker, they might be walking nine dogs. These guys will walk hundreds of thousands or millions of people. They're interfaced with all of them at the same time. They have a bunch of courts. And so, but they sit in their own realm. Uh, so when you're cutting yourself free from the power, it's not just them you're separating yourself from because oftentimes part of their uh, interface with you is going to be, uh, well, they'll, they'll hold the carrot out. They'll say, well, we'll give you something from our realm. We'll give you an element of the inheritance. I have a bunch of goodies up here. Never mind that they're all stolen. I, I have it and you can agree to have some of it. Or I'll just tell you that you'll get some of it. And I might be lying, but I won't tell you that. You know, so, so there's a, a certain interface with their realm and their inheritance, what they have to offer that keeps a person in bondage. So you are literally going to cut them, their realm and their inheritance off of your life. And I, I, I know that this is true because I've been in situations where, you know, we're ministering deliverance. And the person's like, well, they're saying that they don't have to let me go. And I'm like, why? It's like, well, because of the inheritance they've given me. You see, that, 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 okay, well, <laughs> busted, right? They're showing their hand. A lot of these things I'm telling you about were learned on the front lines in the fire of the event of getting people set free from things. You know, some of the stuff I went into those battlefields not knowing fully what I was going to do or how I was going to get the job done, just trusting in the Lord. And time and time again, after going through many, 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 many times, it's like you just figured it all out. Just nail it. Point, point, point. I know this is there. I know this is there. I know because we put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So this is the explanation, though. They all have their realms, and in their realms, they will have their inheritance. Now, it goes a little bit further than that, and follow me here. 
um, there will be an overlayer interface with their realm and the person to whom they are tied. This goes along with the principle as above, so below. Uh, this is this is actually the inverse of the principle found in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. So what does God want to do? He wants to put his kingdom in your heart, right? Um, Hebrews 4.16, come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. God is in us, and we can come to his throne of grace by going within ourselves, but there is an interface with the actual throne of God in heaven, and we are in both places at the same time. God interfaces his throne of grace in our lives because we become his temple. (laughs) Well, they do the same thing, which is why you can be within yourself and encounter a throne belonging to a principality. He might even be sitting on it. It's inside of you, but it's simply a reflection or copy of what exists in their realm. But it is as above, so below. What's up there is also down here. Where they are is also in you. It's an overlay interface. And so you have to cut that free and that will end the overlay interface capacity. It can't abide in that throne inside of you anymore that they set up. One more level of their anchoring, done. But see, uh, we're not done yet. And, you know, going back to the whole God side of this, God's archy is the third heaven of paradise. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. As a matter of fact, in John 14, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. So God, God the Father, has this realm called the third heaven of paradise where he has put many mansions, which are the heavenly places appointed to you and I as heavenly citizens. And the whole realm is called his house. But these fallen heavenly powers, they'll have a, 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 a domain, an archy, in the second heaven. And, uh, you know, like I said, in them, they can house riches, wealth, resources, things that they'll offer to a person, and which, if a person receives, becomes illegal right for them to not go anywhere, even if you pray really hard and ask them to. You know, many people, they'll pray against the principality and they'll ask him to leave. And he's not going anywhere and they can't figure out why he won't leave. But really, there's a part of them that knows that they've received a promise of their inheritance and they don't want to let it go. And they're not even going to give voice to it if you're a minister trying to deliver them. They won't even tell you why. (laughs) They don't want you to know that. Um, Part of them does not want you to set them free. They want you to fail because they think somehow by keeping that promise of counterfeit inheritance, they're doing themselves a favor. It helps to just know it's there. Work through the prayer. Believe me. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's there. So uh, once this is done, you're ready to move to step seven. Now, step seven is a reiteration of what began in step six. So you start, I, I return every form of counterfeit inheritance. So now you, you have severed the cords, but whatever is still abiding in you must now be returned. So spiritually, you're, you're legally taking away their ability to say, but you kept what I gave you, so I get to stick around. You say, no, you don't. I'm giving it back. I return every form of counterfeit inheritance, inclusive of promised wealth, position, status, calling, ability, power, genetic code, seed, and any other form of inheritance in Jesus' name. I refuse it and sever myself from it, and from this day forward, I choose to receive my inheritance in Jesus Christ. 
I renounce all spirit children related to principality and undo all quantum entanglements involved in their creation. I also reclaim every part of me that has been imprisoned by principality or in his realm. Now, this part of the prayer has several unique things, including genetic code and seed. Uh, this means exactly what you think it means. The human genome has been hijacked and infected. And this is the part where I, I know a lot of people are just going to disagree with me. They're saying, you are so out there, I'm going to turn you off. Fine. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but you know what? That doesn't mean I'm wrong. It just means you don't agree with me. I know I'm right because this very element of this prayer has been a huge, huge breakthrough for many people over and over and over and over again. And God said, you will know them by their fruit. The reasons why Christians aren't more effective is because we're ignorant. We're ignorant of the devil's devices. We don't want to believe that the devil is doing what he's doing. And we keep people in bondage by not telling them what the devil is doing, by blocking them from connecting to people that have realized what the devil is doing, thinking we're doing the body of Christ a favor. You're not. This is real. And the thing is, is that those that come from bloodline families, bloodline families, well, they're targeted for deep bondage because... Their very genetics established covenant rights to the heavenly powers that seeded their code into those families. Why are the Illuminati families so important to the heavenly powers? Because they've seeded things and elements into those bloodlines that they plan that they plan to leverage into the plans they have for the last days. It's in the very code. And so in order to get set free, you gotta get you have to you have to give them back what they gave you. Even if you inherited it from birth, you still need to give it back. Get it out. This is how you open the door for God's healing to purge your very genetic code. If you don't give back the counterfeit that you received, if you're a bloodliner from birth, God can't heal your genetics because you don't agree with it. So um, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. I understand. You know, uh, the, the Bible is very clear in, in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, that uh, they shall mingle their seed with the seed of men. You know, who's they? Well, these are the fallen heavenly powers. They're going to mingle their seed with the seed of men. This is, this, is, this is part of what's happening in this day and hour. It's happening. It's being done. It's being done in laboratories secret underground facilities, off-world platforms. It's being done in other realms. Um, you don't have to believe that. It's true. Uh, and we deal with it every day. And so the thing is, is that if you're going to get a person set free, you're going to have to take them there. The reason why they're not getting set free is because they're not addressing the points of bondage and anchors that legally maintain access for the heavenly powers. This is a huge one. There's a seed war right now. The seed of the woman will be at enmity with the seed of the serpent. God made it very clear from Genesis 3.15 onward. There's going to be a seed war to the very end. To the very end. And the Bible calls the Antichrist the son of perdition. Son of perdition. Right? So they have to renounce that, and they have to renounce any seed that they have 
given birth to or cooperated in the uh, insemination of with heavenly powers. Now this, this opens the door to a conversation, which is the next part of this prayer, which deals with spirit children. Now, that, that also, I know. Like, what do you mean, Daniel? Spirit children, are you serious? Absolutely, I'm serious. I'll be doing a show on this at some point later this year where we break it down. Um, at this point, I honestly, I don't know that I understand it well enough to break it down for you. I mean, this stuff goes so deep, so far. It's so unheard of, so unaddressed. That there's not really too much help out there. Most of what we've learned has been learned on the front line dealing with things. And I could, I could share a lot of stories about spirit children and how we've encountered them in different ways and what they, they do. But um, realistically, that's a whole program all by itself. It's a lot of new. What you need to know is that it's often part of the problem. If a person's been married to a heavenly prince, especially if you are a female, it is highly unlikely that they have not used you for the purpose of giving birth to spirit children. And the easiest thing I can tell you is that when God designed a human, he gave us, he gave us a physical womb and a spiritual womb. He gave us a physical womb and a spiritual womb. So what happens is that when a woman gets pregnant in her physical womb, God puts the spirit of the person that they are going to give birth to in the spiritual womb. And the spiritual womb and the physical womb will work in conjunction to give birth to a baby who has a spirit from God and a body from man. So that is how they're designed to work. But... Guess what? The devil hijacks and pirates everything, and they've made ways to pirate what is called the spiritual womb. And that's all I'm going to say at this point. But um, in, in the, the last part of this is like, I also reclaim every part of me that has been imprisoned by principality or in their realm. Revelation 18, verse 11 through 13 says, And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. Who's her? Babylon. Right, For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. See, there's a difference between the bodies of men and the souls of men. And there is a soul trade in the heavens where they trade the fragments of human souls that have been severed from people through trauma, acts of sin, violence, different things. They're not even with the person. They're not in the person's body. They are imprisoned and held hostage by the princes in their realms. And if you want to help that person get wholeness from that prince that they were attached to, you can't just sever the prince from them. You have to sever the prince and you have to demand that every part of them that they held hostage is being released and brought back. Because that is going to lead to their healing and wholeness. You know? And if you don't ask for it, you have not because you ask not. You have to know this is true. You just have to go after it, which is why I just went ahead and wrote it into the prayer. And so uh, that that is because of the Babylonian soul trade. Point eight, I appeal to justice. According to 1 Corinthians 3.17, which declares that as a man sows, so shall he reap. I pray that 
principality would now reap a hundredfold return for all of the evil sown against me, my ancestors, and all whom I represent in the form of justice and judgment in Jesus' name. See, okay, sowing and reaping is cosmic law. It applies to man. Yes, if you put a seed in the ground, it is very likely that you can grow a crop. If you sow financially, God opens the doors to financial abundance in your life. If you sow love, others will sow love into you. If you sow peace, others will sow peace into you. What you sow, you will reap. The occultists, they call it karmic law. Look, um, sowing and reaping is cosmic law. It doesn't just govern the affairs of men in the natural. It governs the entire spirit realm. <clears throat> sowing and reaping is the reason why there is a last day resurrection of the dead. Paul said the body is sown so that it can be harvested, right? You sow it in dishonor, it is raised in glory. So death is a seeding of the body for eventual redemption. This is 1 Corinthians 15. So sowing and reaping is cosmic law. It applies to everything, even justice. And this is how you pay the devil back for the evil he has sown against you. That is, see, these principalities, they think they're going to walk away scot-free. You get them to leave the person alone. Like, well, fine, I'll leave you alone. You know, you go on a merry way. That's not right. They need to pay for what they did, not only to you, to your family, your ancestors, and everyone you represent. And there's something in the Bible known as the law of representation. Because Jesus Christ died for every man, woman, and child that would ever live. And so God can put on a person the ability to make an influence in the spirit realm based on many others. That is the law of representation. So you invoke that. You say, I'm, I'm representing. I choose to be representing not only myself, but all of my ancestors that were wronged by this heavenly prince and everyone else that I represent. Lord, let's just, let, let, let's make this uh, a class action lawsuit in Jesus name. You know what a class action lawsuit is? It's when everybody that's been wronged by a criminal gets paid back. They have to pay for all the wrong they did, not just to you, but everyone. So a $1,000 lawsuit becomes a $1 million lawsuit, right? Law of representation. So, and, and then you, you had the multiplier. It's going to be a really good harvest. A hundredfold harvest, right? And so the, the thing is, is that in order to do this, you have to understand that God is a God of justice. Matter of fact, Psalm 89, 14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. So God has a throne, the foundation, righteousness and justice. God is a God of justice. He is angry about what the powers of the heavens have done to men, women, and children. He doesn't like it. You're upset? He's upset. Your word will allow his resources to do something about it. I never separate a person from a principality or heavenly power and let them get off scot-free. Yeah, right. They must be punished. Justice must be loosed. And it's God. God's good pleasure is good pleasure. He likes it when it comes time to punish the hosts 
of the high ones that are on high for the evil that they have done. You have in your members the testimony against them stored up for the revelation of God's wrath in their realm and against their persons. Step nine. I now take authority over every demon on the inside of me and around me that has been operating under the authority of principality. I declare that you are discovered, apprehended, bound, pierced through, and thrust out of me for judgment. I declare that you are being sent to where the Lord Jesus sends you. Okay. Jesus, in Matthew 12, verse 25 through 29, says this, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? See, this is the thing. By this point in the prayer, the strong man, being the heavenly prince, they're cut off. Their portals are shut. The cords are cut. Everything they gave you, you've given back. You've dealt with the spirit children that have anchored different things into this realm. You've divorced them. And every part of you that would have been in agreement with them is put to sleep. They don't have anything left. The strong man's bound. Now it's time to plunder the house. Who's working in the house? Well, all of the demons that are under their jurisdiction and authority. See, you try to engage the demons under a principality's jurisdiction. They can give you a hard time and a headache because they are drawing power from the prince that you don't know how to address. So you're swatting gnats. Meanwhile, there's a raging dragon standing in the background laughing at you, wasting everyone's time. So you bind a straw man. At this point in the prayer, now all the gnats, they're getting gassed. There's nothing they can do at this point. They have nothing to pull on. They have nowhere to go, nowhere to run, no one to run to. Time to clean house. So you just identify them all. Strong man's bound. Now you're sweeping through and cleaning everything up. The demon is going to be right out of there. Um, so as, as, as this happens, you, I mean, you, you're also, you know, you, you can actually call stuff back. Like all the wealth they stole from me, I take it back. You know, you can plunder their house. All the peace they stole from me, I take it back. All the demons that they left in me, I'm kicking out. You, you're plundering, right? And um, depending on my mood, right? Because I do this all the time now. It's just it's ridiculous. You know, sometimes I'll say, go where the Lord Jesus sends you. Other times I'll send them to the abyss because I want them to suffer. I'm just upset. I'm like, well, it's going to put you right into pain. If I'm really mad, I'll command their execution and destruction. Believe it or not, spirits can be extinguished from existence in the spirit realm. I didn't know this until I began to see it. Yeah, it gets that brutal. And I'm not ashamed of it either. I'll do it. And so um, anytime I begin to get more of a headache than I feel like I should have, uh, it, it's going to get pretty brutal. And, and it, it's because I know who my God is. I know who I am. I'm on assignment. And I'm not playing games. They weren't playing games when they destroyed their, the lives of all these people that God has called me to help. And I don't have mercy on the merciless. So, you know, um, there's a lot of things that 
you know, I mean, you, there's so many more principles that I can expound upon from these. But, you know, th these are some of the mechanics you just have to understand as basics to make it through this prayer, which I'd say in 95, 90 to 95% of cases is going to just completely wipe out the influence of that heavenly prince in the person's life. Now, there's always those cases where there's something this prayer doesn't address, something extra. That's why you have the Holy Spirit of truth working with you when you go through this. He might reveal something, show something, unveil something. And you need to add that to this framework. So you just add it. It's a framework. It's a frame. It's a guideline. Um, and it's a tool, right? So that's point nine. Point 10. Lastly, I pray that every spiritual object, tattoo, or branding placed in or around every part of me by principality, with those under his authority, would be consumed in the holy fire of Jesus Christ and totally dissolved, and I'll cause principality's memory to perish regarding every part of me and my seed in Jesus' name. Spiritual objects. See, the Bible says in Jeremiah 7.30, For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, says the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. See, the house of God can be polluted when abominations are set up in there. But we have to understand that what's being done by the heavenly princes in you is a heavenly or spiritual counterpart of the types and shadows that we see being done in the natural, especially regarding the house of the Lord, which is you. So if they, in the Old Testament, polluted the house of God by putting an object in there, or an abomination, an idol, how much more are you being polluted when the heavenly princes put objects inside of you in the spirit realm that you can't see? And they do that. And it becomes an anchor point in bondage. That's how they come back. Just realize that, you know, it's already been discovered. I know what they do. So you just deal with it on the front end. You don't have to have a fresh revelation on everything every time. <laughs> just name it. It's probably there. So we kick out the spiritual objects. Uh, tattoos and branding. The Bible says in Leviticus 19, 18, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. See, especially when you have fragmentation due to satanic ritual abuse uh, and, and alternate personalities uh, exist within a person as dissociated parts of themselves in the mind and subconscious and in the spirit realm. Uh, they will have a form. They'll have a, an appearance. As a matter of fact, if you uh, look at them, the uh, parts of a person, at least there's, you know, in the spiritual realm, they'll have their own body. Very, very interesting the way this works. And so what these guys will do, they're so diabolical, they'll take the parts that are loyal to them in the spirit realm and apply tattoos. Tattoos to the parts of a person that are dissociated in order to place that additional anchor of bondage in the person's life. So you kick them out, but they say, but there's that part. And when they wake up, they're still going to have the tattoo and I'm going to come back and I'm going to rape them tonight. I'm not kidding. This is what happens. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I, I have run the gamut as it seems so much. I've seen so much. So, what we do is we realize on the front end that there are parts that probably have a tattoo or branding given them by the heavenly prince or one of their lackeys. And we consume it from their spiritual essence or the dissociated parts of their person with the holy consuming fire of Jesus Christ. 
because it's a refiner's fire. It cleanses and purges. And that solves that backdoor problem. That's it. It's done. Severed. They don't have that anymore. You took it away from them. And then the last thing that you do, you know, I mean, even Jezebel, before I move on, Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30. Before she died, she performed witchcraft and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through the window. She invoked occult power prior to her death. They know that the tattoos, the paintings, the brandings invokes occult power, even if done to a dissociated piece of a person. And this is why a lot of Christians have a lot of problems because a lot of Christians running around, they refuse to address the fact that they are dissociated. They've been through satanic ritual abuse. They've had things done against them. They want to be free, but they refuse to look at why they need to be free or what they need to be free from. And it's these kinds of things that remain in place that will cause their lives to be continually destroyed no matter how many prayers they get. Which is why I say you want the pain to stop, you have to be open to the full work of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You just got to open the door to it and say, you know what, God? If I want the pain to stop, I'm going to look at it. Because it's hidden, it's deep, it's buried. And it won't stop until it's dealt with. Okay, so uh, the last point. Um, yeah. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.24, the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Um, I close the prayer with a memory wipe of the heavenly powers. Now, Daniel, what do you mean a memory wipe of the heavenly powers? Spirit beings can get their memories wiped? Yeah, uh, actually they can. Um, Isaiah 26 verse 14 says, they are dead, they will not live, they are deceased, they will not rise. Therefore, you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Well, that passage is in a part of the book of Isaiah where he's having a dialogue about the nature of the resurrection of the dead. And then he gets to a certain part and he says, but there's going to be some that are not given a resurrection of the dead. But when you get to the book of Revelation, everybody that's human gets a resurrection from the dead. Um, those at Christ's coming get a resurrection to life. Those that are in death and hell get a resurrection to the great white throne judgment. Everyone gets resurrected. So who's not getting resurrected in Isaiah 26, 14? Some confusion until you look at the original Hebrew and realize that the deceased in this passage are the Raphah. Now that means ghosts or shades. Now the ghosts, well, that's likely there because Raphah is etymologically derived from the word Rephaim, which is one of the lineages of the giants in the Old Testament, which goes along with the book of 1 Enoch, which says that from the, spirit, from the bodies of the giants go forth demons. See, there are spirit beings that are evil, and God said, he'll make their memory to perish. When I realized this, it helped a lot of things, because see, when, when you get done with this prayer, people are very nervous. Because this power in the heaven is very strong. It's destroyed a large portion of their lives. And now that they're free, it's kind of ticked off. So they're kind of nervous. What's going to happen to me? This part of the prayer seals peace. Because when God comes in and responds to this request and wipes their memory of the person and their seed, there's a revelation that he's not looking at me anymore. I really 
am walking away from this heavenly power. So this outline is what we have used over and over and over and over. Folks, it is so super effective, I am telling you. I, I don't even play guesswork. I don't try to figure anything out anymore. Once I got this put together, I just read it over and over and over again. You know, it's so easy. And it's like, man, it kind of is redundant, Daniel. I mean, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's like, yeah, why Why not? I mean, I, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. This, it has been tailored through the fires of frontline warfare and hardship and difficulty. Things, I mean, I have had to work through things. It's just so you know, hard. And, and it's like, you, you know, you, you get done with something and you're like, man, praise the Lord. We survived that one. You know, like, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that. I just keep using this and you can too. Why? <laughs> well, once you are, you know, at a place with the Lord where you are equipped to be able to minister without having your life destroyed because you have so many doors open, you have a resource, uh, created by someone that, you know, has walked with the Lord to figure it all out. Use it. It's yours. www.bridemovement.com. Prayer resources tab. Download. Done. Um, I'm going to, at this point, close this program with a list. Um, I'm going to name off a list of a, a number, large number of principalities I have personally confronted, dealt with, and set people free from. It's pretty extensive. Uh, every single one of these uh, has been dealt with by me at some point or another. Um, there are principalities that are that I have dealt with that I, I didn't even take the time to put on this particular list. But you know, um, it's a pre it's a pretty good list. I just didn't have time to go through all of my notes prior to recording this program to find every single one um, that I've dealt with at one point or another. But this is a part of the program that I'm going to tell you will trigger you if you have some bondage. You want to be careful with this part of the program. I take no liability. This is my warning. If you think you have some mega, uh, you know, Prince Pally problem in your life and you listen to this part of the program and it throws you into a tailspin because just hearing their name totally triggers you. That's not my fault because I warned you. <laughs> this is your fair warning. But this helps because uh, if, if you make it through this and you're able to identify all of the names of the ones that make your head spin, make you get dizzy, make you feel sick to your stomach, uh, invoke fear or panic. Um, those are those are the targets. That, that's how you know that's the one you need to get set free from. And then you can find a minister or work your way through the prayer if you think you're strong enough to get free. So what are some of the names of the princes that you've dealt with that I might need to be dealt with? Here are their names. Aeneas, Amphitrite, Antichrist, Anubis, Aphrodite, Apollyon, Ares, Argus, Asmodeus, Athena, Azazel, Baal, Baphomet, Basmu, Bastet, Belial, Bia, 
Sito. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce some of these, by the way. I just, we got their names. Uh, Circe, the counterfeit Archangel Michael. Krios, Dagon, Enki, Enlil, Enyo, Freya, Hades, Hanbi, Hather, Herur, Hilarion, Horus, Hyperion, Isis, Janus, Kronos, Lucifer, Ma'at, Mammon, Mentu, Molech, Nefertiti, Nergal, Nut, Osiris, Persephone, Plutus, Pontus, Poseidon, Ptah, Ra, Rabisu, Saint Germain, Sarpanitsu, Selene, Serapsis, Set, Styx, Tartarus, Thetis, Thoth, and Zeus. Let's not forget the Queen of Heaven. Folks, Jezebel. Um, there are a lot of these guys. I just listed off a number of the major players. You have equipment. You have a tool. www.bridemovement.com That's where you can get that prayer that I just talked through this entire program. Folks, that's all for today. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com. At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us. And be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.